When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Happy Friday uh, to you and yours. The weekend is here and uh, we have a special guest uh, for today's show. It's just going to be me, you, and our special guest, Alex Stein, a uh, comedian uh, from Dallas, Texas, who has been making noise all over the internet. He, he shows up at uh, school board meetings, city council meetings, confronts mayors, and he does these hilarious rap skits or ask questions uh, that are, you know, hysterical. He trolls these political idiots, basically, and he shoves down their face. He holds a mirror up to them with the stupid stuff that they're doing. He's got a video. Uh, where he dresses up as a female swimmer, basically mocking everyone about the Leah Thomas deal. Uh, the thing that caught my attention was a couple of weeks ago, I think he was at a Plano, uh, Plano, Texas, uh, city count, not, not, no, a school board meeting. He did this incredible rap song that was hilarious. It talked about Ukraine and all these other things. I, before I bring Alex on, Let's play uh, a couple of these clips just for those of you who haven't seen. I think it was last week or two weeks ago. He was on Tucker Carlson. I had already seen the Plano video, and then I saw him on Tucker Carlson, it seemed like, 24 hours later, uh, talking about the video and just laugh. And it just made me want to reach out to Alex. I think, you know, again, it, You've heard me talk this week. You've heard me talk about this show. I just think comedy is so important. It's such an effective tool at calling BS and, and putting the truth and facts right in front of people's faces and, and making them have to deal with the truth. Let's start with the, uh, the Ukraine video, I, I think. And this is him, I think, in Plano, Texas at a school board meeting or maybe it's a city council meeting. I, I, I can't remember, but let's play that one first. I'm the proof when I'm in a booth spitting on the mic. Anti-vax. Putin hates all of them blacks. Putin is a bad racist. Put them in the ground, white or brown. And I'm in Plano town. And you know you just got found. I'm a pimp on a blimp. Unless a steak is shrimp. No, you can't stop my shine. I'm number 99. And you know I grind and shine. Teaching class, this is your whole path. Zelensky is a VIP. Ukraine, and I go insane. Put a bullet in Putin's brain. You know that is the plan. I'm a Zelensky stand. I love you, Vladimir. 
Vladimir Zelensky, you are so smart. What's the smell? Did somebody fart? No, what? What can you say? Fascinate me straight or gay. I love you, and I love to rhyme and grind all the time. And you got that sanitizer. And you know I got that Pfizer. You know I stick it in my vein. Put a bullet in Putin's brain. Do it for the Ukraine. Before I go insane. Let me antibacterial my body. At the party. Sipping for candy. You know the flow. And I am a pimp. Cause I am on a blam. Eating lots of steak and shrimp. One more time. I'm 99. And you know I grind and shine. Gas prices way too high. Vladimir Putin needs to die. Gas prices way too high. Vladimir needs to die. I'm the truth in the booth. Take my picture. I'm a winner. I'm going to eat you for dinner. Okay. You want to go to I just want to say, I love you. We need to take out Vladimir Putin, like Lindsey Graham said. Thank you, Mary Mullins. I appreciate the time. <laughs> so, before I want to bring Alex on before we go to the swimming video. Alex, uh, welcome to Fearless. You, you certainly are fearless. That's what I love about you. And so... You had all that memorized, or did you have notes in front That's of a, you? I, my cat had to say hi because my cat can tell I'm excited. I'm high vibrational energy now. I have cat hair all over me. No, so that's how it worked. I improv a lot of this stuff. So I knew going in there that I'm going to say gas prices way too high. Vladimir Putin needs to die. But no, I'm a, I'm literally, I know they say this sarcastically, I'm a freestyle king. I got bars all day long. I got, I mean, seriously, I can rap and rhyme uh, naturally. I, I'm an improvisationalist. Like I'm a comedian. I think that's my skill is improv and so when i was feeling it when i was feeling the flow i mean nothing can stop my shine as i say in the rap song jason <laughs> I, so i want to take another because i saw the uh swimming you, the leah thomas yes. spoof and and so is that all improv too you're just going off the top of your head yeah, well, well, and you know, I had some ideas. It's obviously, you know, Kintaji Brown Jackson, who's going to be a Supreme Court justice, can't even define a woman. Literally, when they ask her in, you know, one of the most important meetings of her life, she doesn't even have this. Sorry, this cat hair is all over me. It's distracting me. But she doesn't even have the self-respect to say a woman can have a baby. A woman has ovaries. But she can't even say that because she has to be so politically correct. And that's what's happening is our society is getting poisoned by political correctness. It's literally like what Joe Biden says. They're trying to bring us into this new world order where they want all of our kids to be basically, you know, gay or trans, and they want to uh, subvert our, you know, our old style, our old world order, I guess you'd say, and they want to bring us into this new world where it's just all about accepting and political correctness. But comedy dies. Free speech, it, we're supposed to have free speech, but now anything can be considered hate speech. Literally, me doing that Leah Thomas bit, I'd had a million hits on Twitter. Then they put a sensitive warning on it. Then I got some complaints from Germany. Yet the whole thing was satire, obviously, and it's just me literally regurgitating the same rhetoric that they regurgitate to us all day long, that a man, a biological man that swam on the men's team for three years can take some sort of medicine, medicine or whatever it is, and now can compete against a woman when he still has male genitals and his own or her own teammates, however you want to call uh, Leah, their own teammates said that, they are uncomfortable when he changes in front of them. So 
it's just very blatantly obvious that a man has a physical advantage in sports. You as a sports writer, you know that. You as a competitor, uh, you played college football. You know that it would be a lot different if a girl had to get in a three-point stance and try to go up against you. You would crush her. You know what I mean? It's not even close. Yet they say that a man can all of a sudden go and swim against the women. We're in the upside down world, Jason, and, and really and truly, me as a comedian, I like to improv, but all I'm doing is regurgitating that same rhetoric that they just constantly give us on the mainstream news, Jason. All right, so let's take a little pause here, and I want, I want to show your Leah Thomas. And, and so who are you talking to during this Leah Thomas deal? Is this okay, the city so council? It, it just happens to be the last two Plano ones. So Plano has a meeting every two weeks. And I go speak at the Dallas one all the time. But the Dallas one, they have a rule you can only speak once a month. So it just happened to be I go to a lot of these meetings with another guy. And I started going. Then I started going viral. And now I've started to recruit people to go with me. And there's other people on the Internet. They're saying, Alex, you know, are you mad that, that all these other people are doing this bit? No, Jason, I want to encourage everybody to go speak at these council meetings or school board meetings. It doesn't matter what it is, because unless you speak, nobody's going to hear your voice. So, you know, that's why for me, it's not I'm not when somebody does the same bit or a similar bit. I love it. I wish I had a whole team of people doing this in every city uh, doing this. You know, that is my favorite thing is trying to call out the hypocrisy and this just happened to be at Plano again and this is a city council meeting so this is in front of their you know the top brass as they say of the city of Plano all right so let's watch uh Alex Stein do his Leah Thomas move of the Plano <laughs> city council but you guys are going to sit here and you're not going to take me seriously you're going to laugh at me I'm trying to compete and yes, I was born a boy. So what, guys? This is 2022. It doesn't matter what you're born. We have Kintaji Brown Jackson even says she doesn't even know what a woman is. So then I'm a woman. So that's what you guys have to do. If the Supreme Court justice is on my side, then why can't I get the same from the Plano City Council? That's the problem is I come here and I'm still a victim of transphobia. Yet we have champions like my girl Leah, my sister, and she is she gets to win. But I don't. Why not? That's I'm asking you, why not? Why can't I swim against the ladies? Why are we having a transphobic world where I just want to compete against the ladies? Why are you saying that I'm not a biological woman? Clearly, I look like a biological woman. I mean, come on, it's been hours tucking this thing in. Give me a break. I should be able to swim. And I'm on so much hormone therapy, I don't even know left or right anymore. So I'm doing this. I don't have an unfair advantage. No way. So I need you guys to stand up. We have a city issue, Rick, and we can actually fix this and let me compete against the ladies. I'm sick of these women. Oh, you're, you're having unfair advantage. Yeah, right. And I'm mentally ill and they won't even let me compete in the Special Olympics. So go figure. <laughs> Think about that. I can't compete in the Special Olympics and I can't compete against women. What kind of bigotry is that? Are you guys going to let that stand? I wouldn't let that stand. If I were y'all, I would stand up for me because in the future, they're going to write these in the history books and you're going to have to decide, decide what side Plano is on. Were they transphobes? Or were they trans-positive? And obviously, I'm trans-positive. So that's what I want. I want you guys to wake up to what's going on in the world and tell the City of Plano Swim League to let me compete against the ladies. I've been on hormone blockers for nearly two weeks now. And like I said, I'm so messed up from them, I'm probably going to lose anyway. But I can send that tape to a college, and I might get a scholarship, Julie. So don't look at me with your eyes looking at me all mean. I'm out here trying to change for you. This is women's rights. I'm standing up for women's rights. Thank Time's you. Up. It's Primetime Stein on Instagram if you guys want to learn how to swim against the ladies. Thank you all so much. Yeah, that's it, so, Jason. I'm, <laughs> I'm a madman. 
what happens? How do they respond? Do they just pretend like that didn't happen and go back to business as usual? Do they offer any kind of response? Well, no. I mean, you can tell they're shell-shocked. And I, I got to post a video of the reverse angle of their faces. But some city councilmen have a, a sense of humor. Like, Jason, not everybody is a robot android. Uh, you know, but the people that love this rhetoric, the people that are, you know, on the, the loony left, of course, they're offended. They're like, oh, you know, they look at me with their, distant, you know, with their stink face, like they just like somebody just cut a fart or something. You know, they look at you negatively. But there's people there that get the joke. There's people there that actually have a sense of humor. And really, when I go there and I, I do this thing, uh, I want to draw them off sides. I told you that earlier. The problem is when you go to these meetings, people are usually nervous because you're speaking in front of the mayor, and that's typical. But I've seen people go there and talk about how child protective services took their kids because they got a DWI for a small thing and their lives are ruined. I saw people, and, and the, the city council does nothing. I've heard people were uh, uh, city building caught on fire and their house caught on fire and the city's not doing anything to help them. So there's serious issues and the mayor and their, the mayor and the council members will sit there stone faced. They won't even respond. So for me, when I started going to these meetings, I was very earnest. I was telling them, hey, I think some of these pandemic measures are a little too far. I think, you know, uh, what you're doing is not correct. I don't really think this is helping. They looked at me like I was an idiot. And then the first thing I said, Jason, our mayor is a guy named Mayor Eric Johnson. And I said, hey, you know, the, the they kept on complaining about the vaccine numbers. And I said, hey, Mayor Johnson, all you got to do is this. You just got to say, hey, in the gay community, you're going to say Mayor Johnson's free Johnson and Johnson. And I go, the gay community will love that because they love double entendres. But then I said, and they would love it from the first openly gay mayor of Dallas. And he's not openly gay. He's married to three kids. And that's the first time he's like, what'd you say? He's like, what'd you, what, what, what did you say? I was like, oh, you know, that you're a gay mayor. <laughs> hey, I mean, I drove him right outside. And then I realized the bell went off in my head. I go, oh, my gosh, I shouldn't just tell one joke during my speech. I should make the whole thing a joke. And I should call him out on the hypocrisy. Because at the end of the day, we've gone so far left that, like you said earlier, just putting a mirror to it, it shows, it shows you at the end of the day. They're silly. They're goofy. Their whole agenda is not based in doesn't make any sense. Like letting a male compete against women. I mean, what does that do for our women, Jason? Imagine a girl her whole life, every weekend in a pool, every day in you know, high school, gets to college. She makes it to the NCAA championships. And she gets second place to a person that swam on the boys team for three years. And then the media cheerleads it. Oh, this is great. This is this is what we need. This is the future. If that's the future, Jason, we are totally screwed, in my opinion. So how long have you been doing this? Okay, well, well, I've been going around May of, of 2020 is when I first started going. And then, you know, I, like I said, it took, you can only speak once a month. So I started going just, you know, about once a month. But now I'm going in, in Zoom meetings all over. I got the mayor of Portland, Ted Wheeler, on ice skates every day. He's actually thinking about trying to end the communication part because some of my viral videos is, is you know, a lot of these meetings are on Zoom, especially in the left, like a lot of these liberal cities that are afraid, still afraid of COVID. So it gives me the ability, even from Dallas, Texas, to speak in Seattle, to speak in New York. And Mayor Ted Wheeler, what I did is uh, one of my best bits is I played an Antifa guy and I talked about how the, you know, the, the, the fentanyl is great, but we need to get more vaccines. A lot of my dealers not vaccinated, this and that. And Ted Wheeler's eyes, you know, like I said, got like dinner plates because they're so crazy. And the reason why that's important, you look at these people on January 6th. Now, I'm not approving what they did, but they're totally they're basically political prisoners. You know, we have the you know, the Department of Justice is weaponized against them. But in Portland, they six, over 60 days, Jason, they burnt down a federal courthouse building and nobody went to jail. And the only person that did go to jail now is currently under house arrest. So it, it's 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 
hypocritical system where they'll protect you. You can burn down a city all you want as long as you're on the same side as the government. So if they're not anti-protest. You look at Canada. They were, the protests were outlawed for these uh, Canadian truckers. And then a week later, as soon as the war in Ukraine started, you had every Canadian politician dancing in the street with a blue and yellow flag protesting for Ukraine. So the hypocrisy is so strong. And these people have no self-awareness that they shove it in our face. And even if they are aware of what they're doing, they realize that we can't control it and we don't, you know, we have no power over them. So they're just they're mocking us, really. So I'm just giving them back what they're giving to us, Jason. So I want to go back more to the beginning, like who is Alex Stein? How long have you been doing comedy? When did you, you know, who's your inspiration? So I was talking to someone earlier today and it was like, oh, he's the next Andy Kaufman. Yeah, uh, of course. Is that what you, is that 100%. who you want to be or? 100% you, or Jason. You want, well, let me just answer this. So you're like, Alex, you know, you're a weird guy. And I, I, I graduated from LSU in Baton Rouge. In my freshman year, I played football at the University of South Florida. I thought I was hot stuff. And I got knocked so hard. My first play I ever got in by a guy named Steven Nicholas, who was drafted third round by the Atlanta Falcons. And I knew after that play, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to stay on the team for a year. But this is, I, you know, I'm not cut out for this. But then I went to LSU. I graduated. Then I moved to Los Angeles and I worked and I went to the first thing like the, the cliche. I went to central casting and I was looked younger. So I got to be on all these movie sets, 18 to look younger. And then that's how I got in the television business. So then I started getting gigs. I worked production jobs. And then I, I worked for the show Cheaters for 10 years, producing content on that show where we catch people cheating on their husbands and wives. But my whole life, I've always been a comedian. I've always looked up to Andy Coffin, but I always produced it. You know, I kind of put other people in funny positions. I kind of set them up. And then what happened near the pandemic, the host of the show, RIP, my very good friend Clark Gable, he died of a drug overdose from fentanyl. He was given Vicodin that he thought was Vicodin that had fentanyl in it that's being flooded through our border. You know, they worry about the border between Russia and Ukraine. Yet our Texas border between Texas and Mexico, Del Rio, is not just getting flooded with sex trafficking, but... Uh, Un, I mean, absurd amounts of fentanyl that's poisoning our children, that this war on drugs, they don't care about our children. If they cared about that border, they'd do something about it. So what I'm saying is he died unfairly of a drug overdose, a guy that had a dr high, high drug tolerance, in my opinion. So I wouldn't have expected him to die of an overdose. Then they said, Alex, you're going to be the next host of the show. That ended up not happening. So that's when I went on my own, Jason. I started creating my own content, and I've not looked back. About May of 2020 is when I started my channel on YouTube, and I started posting to social media. And now it's about two years later, and I'm finally hitting my stride. I'm finally getting the attention from guys like you that I've looked up to my whole life because, Jason – You've been at the pinnacle. You've been at every top network, and you didn't kowtow to the political correctness. And that's why you're on the blaze is because you actually have some integrity. In this day and age, nobody in the entertainment business has any integrity whatsoever. So for me, I guess as a comedian, I want to call out the people that have no integrity. And I want to do it in a way that Andy Kaufman did because the most effective way, when I started creating my content, trying to wake people up to the new world order, to you know a lot of these, a lot of the stuff that's going on in the world, people don't like to be told information, Jason. They don't like to be told something. What you have to do is you have to get them to question what is real and what is fake because your brain is not on. You, you know, most people's brains, they're just kind of asleep at the wheel. Oh, somebody else will figure it out. You know, oh, it's safe and effective. They're just going to let somebody else tell them what's going on. And I use the example, it's like the government is tinkling on us and telling us it's raining. And they'll believe the government because they have a thing that's called cognitive dissonance. They know the government's bad. They know the government has done evil stuff. They know the CIA during the Iran-Contra flew in tons of drugs and then gave those drugs to Freeway Ricky Ross, put those drugs in Miami. And then to, to black men, they said, oh, crack is a higher punishment 
than powder cocaine. So there is systemic racism in the world, in my opinion. People don't even think that the government doesn't have our back. Yet we have so many instances where the government has just totally done us dirty, but we suffer from what is called cognitive dissonance. We just think, oh, at the end of the day, we know they're bad, but they still have our back. So for me, I try to wake people up to this. Guys, this is what's really going on. That didn't work. So I realized comedy is the most effective tool on making people question the reality we live in. Because if I can just ask a person to ask a question, is this guy real? Then they have to Google something. Then they have to go search. And it's like getting people to do their homework. You have to motivate them. People don't want to normally do their homework. You kind of have to motivate them by questioning the reality in which we live in. I, I still want you to unpack a little bit more of your, your yeah. life story. You grew up in Texas, and I'm assuming you were some sort of high school football player. And yes, you earned okay. a scholarship to South Florida. Okay, well, listen. So, so I played. Uh, uh, I played football at Highland Park High School with Matt Stafford was my was my quarterback, and I was uh, I was actually the uh, you know I was the captain of the team, but I'm a year older. And really and truly, I love Matt Stafford. He's a great player. But my one time, they let me play tight end, and, and I was wide open in the end zone. He overthrew me. So. Ah! I still am sick about that pass today, Jason. I'm still <laughs> sick about that. But what I'm saying is, yes, I was a good athlete. But I went to – so that summer, the summer after I graduated, I went and I did – what did they call the uh, – I went to a prep school. But I went to Fork Union Military Academy for – it was like a month. You go up there. And then I got recruited as a – they wanted to give me a scholarship, but I was technically a preferred walk-on because the first semester I went there like right after the season started and I got to practice with the team, but I stayed the whole year through the spring and I got a scholarship the second semester. So I wasn't a full scholarship my whole year. But this is this is how it worked though. When I got and I was playing football, you know and I know it's it's they chew you up and spit you out. I was on the scout team every play. I mean, I got crushed and hammered. And now a lot of my old players that were on the team with me, they they've reached out. They're like, oh, Alex, you know, you really. I ought to send you some of the messages they they send me. They're like, Alex, you know, you really. Even though you got beat up every time, even though you're smaller than everybody, you always are on the first scout team. You're always uh, played because that's the type of person I am. I'm fearless. I want to be fearless like you, Jason. I I realize I might get hurt. I realize I might get kicked off the internet. But I have one speed, full speed. And I have no fear of these people because I, I I don't want to get so low vibrational, but I lost my mother recently. And I was I was actually doing this before she passed away. She was my biggest fan. But that has been the catalyst to even make me more fearless because I realize life is short. You and I are going to be we're going to be dead and gone one day. So I want to leave my legacy. And for the people that are watching this, if you're thinking, should I create something? You got to create something because we're all going to be dead and gone one day. And now that I've done these viral videos, at least when I'm gone, I know that these will last the test of time. People say, oh, he may have started a movement or he may have woke people up. So in life, it's all about creating something that leaves a legacy. And for me, now that I'm starting to have success, I'm going to create until, you know, that, that's that's my joy. That's what brings me the most joy is making people laugh through digital content or going to these meetings and calling out uh, these politicians. But me, I mean, I'm a weird guy. Like you said, I'm an ex-athlete. Then I went to LSU and I got, I was so mad. All I did was probably get drunk and high for three years. I graduated. But, you know, that same, that college aspect of, you know, just drinking every weekend, that's the worst thing. I really wish I would have, even though I got a minor in communications, minor in sociology, and a, a minor in business, and I got a general studies degree, the easiest degree you can get. So that kind of tells you about my schooling. I'm not a very good student, but I'm persistent, so I graduated. And then I, then when my best friend died, when I was working for tutors, I stopped drinking, I stopped doing everything. And that's really, for me, when my life especially changed. That's when I kicked it into overdrive. And, uh, you know, that's where I am today. It's like, I, I guess it's like the world, I've, I've hit some bumps and roads and what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So that's, that's where I'm at right now, Jason. And so Matt Stafford, the Super Bowl winning quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams, was your high school quarterback. 
Yeah. Although you're a year older, that did you play baseball as well? Because isn't Justin no, Verlander and he from no, that no. high schools? Clayton, Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw. Yeah, and he's Matt's he's Matt's age. And Clayton Kershaw could have been quarterback of the team. He was actually the eighth grade center because he was kind of, you know, he was like a, kind of a bigger kid in eighth grade. But yeah, they were they were awesome. And Matt Stafford could have been a pro I'm not here to kiss Matt Stafford's butt, but I'm saying he could have been a pro baseball player. He him and Kershaw are on the freshman squad. They took the Highland Park baseball team to the state championship. And in a series, it was a five game series, they lost three to two against an awesome team that had some pro players on. I forget who was on that team that they lost to. But you know, there are some exceptional athletes in Highland Park High School where I played were the winningest high school football program in the state of Texas, which says a lot where Texas high school football is like, you know, I mean, it's the most important have thing. You heard from, have you heard from either one of those guys about these videos you're doing? Well, not Clayton, but yeah, I mean, I've heard indirectly from Matt. I'm friends with Matt's wife. So yeah, I've heard, you know, indirectly from them. But this is the thing. Jason, I'm a diehard sports fan. I know you're a diehard sports fan. Oh, I got to tell this story real quick. I got to tell you this before you get going. So, you know, you're in KC and I'm in, I live in University Park right next to Tavia Hunt, to the Hunt family. And after, uh, after Andy Reid's son got in a car accident in a public Facebook group that a lot of us are in, I, I, you know, called the Hunt family out because they didn't help out the, the victim. They didn't immediately help out because they didn't want to take legal uh, obligation for it. So I called them out and I have all the receipts. Tavia Hunt threatened to sue me. And this is a billionaire. So ended up getting, working out. I ended up befriending, uh, you know, the Hunt family now because uh, just because I was calling them out, they didn't want to be called out. But so it's not just our politicians. You, we need to call out a lot of these billionaires like the Hunt family, because if you look at Britt Reed, I mean, being drunk at the facility, they have a GPS tracker. They had all the COVID protocols. They knew exactly where he was. So they know that he was drinking at a facility the week of his Super Bowl, and he goes and paralyzes a seven-year-old child. I mean, there's, there's, that's about the worst, most vile thing a person could do or most irresponsible thing besides killing a person or besides sexually molesting one. And yet they still try to run cover. It took them nearly a year before they decided to take financial responsibility. So all these people in power. They don't. They don't care about us. They have. They have all the resources in the world, but they're they're greedy. They don't want to actually help people. They want a virtue signal. They want to put a rainbow flag during Gay Month. They want to put a black square for George Floyd. But when it actually comes to helping people out, they it's all legalese. It's all oh, we don't want to take responsibility. So for me, I want to call out these politicians and I want to call out these billionaires because this is the conspiracy thing. Our world right now, Jason, is not being run by human beings. It's run by multinational corporations like Apple, like Pfizer, like Halliburton, that are able to tell these politicians what to do because they need money for their campaigns. They need money for their political action committee. So when we've lost the human touch, we, we don't have a real leader. You look at Joe Biden. We know he's a puppet. You look at Kamala Harris. She's with, you know, Montel Williams. And, you know, she basically was on her knees to get her job. And she talks about black people. Yet she no, but she put the three strike rule in, which we know disproportionately affected black people. So she's not a champion for, you know, the black community. And I don't even think she I think she's like Jamaican and Indian. I'm just saying these people are all puppets and they're not actually human beings. They don't have the ability to feel empathy when they see a homeless person. They don't really care they, because at the end of the day, all they want to do is get reelected and stay in power. So that's and that's the same with Trump. Like I like Trump, but Trump is not a great guy. A lot of what Trump did, you know, for the people on January 6th, he became a big vaccine salesman. He said he was going to put Hillary in jail. There's a lot of stuff that he said he was going to do that he didn't do. So it doesn't matter. Both sides at the end of the day really don't have our best interests. They have their own interests first and foremost. My God, Alex. It's a lot. Do you want to get involved? <laughs> do you want to do you want to be in politics? Do, or are well, you see, going to run for office at some point? 
Well, right now I am a state delegate, a state delegate in District 12. And how that works is that the Republican uh, in our convention here, we do it and we can I can put resolutions that basically give an outline of what our uh, you know Republican Party stands for in the state of Texas. But, yes, I, I guess in the at the end of the day. I might have to be a politician because so many people want me to run. But no, I mean, really and truly, these politicians are all crooked. Once they get to that, they're, they're as crooked as a dog's hind leg, as they say. Because once they get in power, they want to stay in power. They'll do anything. So they'll tell us, they'll give us all the lip service. But talk is cheap. As soon as they get there, they change their mind. And I know a politician, you got to work so hard. You got to do so much uh, uh I guess you would just say uh, time wasting work, like, you know, going to all these meetings and doing all this stuff that I don't know if I want to do that. Like right now, I could run for city council and win. No doubt about it. And I might even run for mayor. But do I want to sit in those meetings all day long? Like, is that really effective? Because I know people that have become state reps and then they get there and they can't get anything passed. For me right now, if we can just bring awareness to the issue. That's the most effective tool because right now people are mad. They don't want to pay $8 for gas in California. People don't want to pay all, you know, $10 for a loaf of bread. So obviously the pendulum is going to swing and, and you know, the Republicans, as they say, will probably, you know, get uh, elected in the midterm. But that's not going to fix anything. That's not necessarily going to change the world. So for me, I almost think we could do more with comedy and changing the culture in which we live in than actually just being a, be a, being a politician. Yes, man. I I'm right there with you in terms of of we have to change the culture or nothing's going to change. And again, that's what like as soon as I saw your video, I'm like, man, this dude's a disruptor. I mean, this type of comedy is what we need because uh, it puts pressure on everyone else involved in the comedy world and and change it again. It's why. Like the Daily Wire, some of the moves that they're making uh, with the Jeremy's Razors and now with the content directed at kids. We have to take bold steps to try to push the culture in a different direction uh, just so people can make, well, just have the proper lenses on to even evaluate what's going on. That, that That's the problem. People can't even properly evaluate this culture we have right now is so dishonest and and so blindingly dishonest that people can't even properly evaluate what's going on. I, I look at, you know, the the Katanji Brown Jackson deal and just how and I I don't want to go down that path. Let, let, yeah. let me let me let me let me pause for a second, take care of a little business. And I, I just want to delve a little bit back more into the comedy space just because I think you're an important comedian. I mean, your, your content's going viral. Uh, you have the energy of all the great comedians. You know, I think if you're not Andy Kaufman, which you certainly have shown a talent for that, you might be Robin Williams. Wow, uh, wow, remind, that means you remind, a lot. You remind, Jason, wow. Robin oh. Williams was so high energy, and you're too young to remember, but when he came oh, out with on. the show, Mork and Menzi, Mindy. Yeah, yeah, come on. Okay, well, All right. well we let me take care of some business. Yes, sir. Yeah, let, let me take a break here for a second and just tell you about preborn. Throughout the whole world, the leading cause of death is abortion. In the United States, murder has become a wholesale business since Roe v. Wade. We've killed over 63 million children. Nearly 25% of pregnant mothers do not choose life. That's why Blaze Media is partnering with preborn. Preborn's game plan is to help rescue 50,000 babies from abortion in 2022. 
Preborn is the direct competition to Planned Parenthood and the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the U.S. When you let a woman see her baby on an ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she is 80% more likely to choose life for her baby. Preborn partners with clinics in the highest abortion rate cities and regions across the country. And when the mother chooses life, Preborn provides maternity and baby clothes, diapers, car seats, counseling, and much more free of charge. Preborn has a passion to save unborn babies from abortion and see women come to Christ. Over the past 15 years, preborn centers have counseled over 450,000 women considering abortion. 188,000 babies have been saved. Help rescue babies' lives. Donate by dialing pound 250 and say keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby, or go to preborn.org slash fearless. Guys, I sat down with these guys two weeks ago, learned all about preborn. Uh, one of the key things, selling points to me in this and why we've partnered with them here at The Blaze and with Fearless, is just, it's not just talking a woman out of abortion. It's helping her give her a path after choosing life. Helping her and supporting the woman after choosing life is what really sells me about preborn. Now, obviously, I'm I'm not I'm against abortion in general, but this isn't just about hey have this baby and you're on your own. Preborn is with the woman every step along the way, trying to assist her. And once any woman, any parent gets involved with a with a child, their natural instincts will take over. They will make sacrifices. And they will benefit from having that child that, you know, again, again, Jesus was born to a single mother. I mean, just understand that if Mary didn't choose life, all of our lives would be different. So uh, please support Preborn. Hit that pound 250. Uh, use the keyword baby. Go to preborn org slash fearless. This is an organization. Every man, woman in this fearless army, we need to support preborn. All right, uh, stick around. We're going to do more with Alex Stein. Alex. We must exist in a state of man glorious as we are protected by the red, the white, and the blue. But remember, the mind is the key. The fearless soldier pledges to place God first and foremost in his everyday endeavors of life. We, the fearless army, are one nation under God, indivisible with freedom and a belief in the American dream. The men bold enough to join our movement comprise what we like to call the new dream team. We are leaders of our families, our churches, and of this nation. We reject the seeds of division that are planted by corporate media misinformation. We affirm that all men are created equal and are endowed with inalienable rights, which are granted by our Heavenly Father. 
We are bound by honor to accept God's challenge, to take the flag and lead, to cherish, to protect, and to nurture the life of our unborn seed. I am a fearless soldier, so shed no tears for me. I am not a victim. I am the man that God made me to be. Amen. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's continue our conversation with Alex Stein, the digital viral comedian who's putting out a lot of work here in recent weeks and months uh, that's going viral and, and really, I think, is culture changing because you guys have heard me talk this earlier this week and just throughout this show. My belief in comedy as a tool to shape, change cultures and to create space for public discourse. Again, you've heard me talk this week, ministers and comedians, that's who has failed America. They have not protected our free speech by getting in pulpits or standing on stages and speaking uncomfortable truths. That's their job. That's how they protect free speech and allow us to have conversations we normally would be uncomfortable having. That's why I like what Alex Stein is doing. And, and so, Alex, I, I want to begin here. There's been an important event that happened this week or Sunday that has spilled out. Obviously, Will Smith walks up on stage and smacks comedian Chris Rock. Uh, so far, I've been kind of surprised and impressed that uh, a lot of comedians are rallying around Chris Rock. And I want to play a clip from Bill Maher, some comments he said earlier this week, uh, where like Bill Maher really understands cancel culture and the, the negative ramifications of cancel culture and how Will Smith slapping a comedian on stage uh, is just uh, a natural evolution of cancel culture. Here's Bill Maher. But that was just out of line. And it reinforced the idea that, uh, you know, jokes are the enemy. And, and you know, it's sort of like cancel culture uh, encapsulated because at first you saw he was laughing at the joke, right? This is what happens a lot with cancel stuff. You know, at first, oh, it's funny. And then you look around, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be offended. And then there's the overreaction. He was like the Twitter mob come alive. I'm okay with it. Oh, wait, I'm supposed to be offended. Now I'm going to just wildly overreact. I've seen Jim Carrey go after Chris Rock, Wanda Sykes, Amy Schoen. I'm hoping this is a moment where comedians are snapping out. They're getting red-pilled and like, hey, man, this woke stuff is unhealthy. This cancel culture, this whole, oh, you can't joke about X, Y, and Z. I, I, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm hoping I'm seeing a pivotal moment. Are you sensing the same thing? 
Well, Jason, you know, you made a good point. We're talking about culture and what I do, you know, to bring it to me and how I connect to this is what there's a new terminology, what they're calling that I'm doing. It's called culture jamming. It's when you're taking their crazy culture and you're jamming it in their face. So that's really what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, Bill Maher makes a great point and, and he kind of makes a similar point to a guy named John Stewart, who is a comedian they love on the left. But John Stewart even said that The Daily Show, when it was the number one show on the air, it was talking about how the war in Iraq wasn't just and we shouldn't send our these troops to go die for a cause that, you know, for these terrorists that really the same terrorists had nothing to do with the 9-11 attacks that, that were in Iraq. So what I'm saying is he would have said that would have been considered disinformation in this day and age. Anything that anything that they said, anything on The Daily Show said back in the early 2000s nowadays would be limited, would be would be cancel culture, would get you a strike on YouTube and would get you kicked off the Internet. So now we have this cancel culture, and Bill Maher made a good point. When you go there and, and he realizes at first it's a joke, he knows that, and then he gets a look from his wife. Hey, I need to go react. But this is the same Will Smith that, that we know lets other men sleep with his wife. Like, you know, she's gone on her show, Red Table Diaries or whatever it's called, talking about how she's dated other guys, uh, uh, Alfonso something. So this is a guy that's obviously all about his appearance because you and I, if my wife was doing that, we'd be divorced. I, I mean, I would never let that slip no matter how long I'd been with, the, with her. So he doesn't really care about Jada Pinkett Smith. He cares about what people think about him. He cares about the you know appearance of his ego and that's just a typical issue where it comes to hollywood it's like all about their ego he's you know wins the award but see there's a lot of lies with this because you notice they say that the academy awards asked him to leave and that that now that was a lie so even the academy awards is trying to virtue signal so it's all just a fake virtue signal that bill maher points out nobody cares Nobody cared that he made a joke about his wife, but he felt obligated to stand up there because his ego was so big and he didn't want to go home and have his wife get mad at him. So he had to go up there and, and really, I guess, you know, do something that probably a, you and I at a bar or something, you know, a bar fight that make that might make sense if somebody, you know, touched your girlfriend's butt. But to do this on the biggest stage at the Academy Awards, Will Smith's smarter than that. He knew that there would be some sort of repercussions. And and for me, I almost think it's some sort of publicity stunt because he's been he's been He's been so shamed and so humiliated. This was the this is like the pimple popping. And you look at Chris Rock. Obviously, he handled it pretty well. He went back into the joke. But we really kind of need to look at the whole big picture. These are a bunch of, you know, culture elitists that really don't care about us that are doing an award show where where I don't think there was any even black members of the Academy about two years ago. And you look at the Golden Globes. They they had to cancel the Golden Globes. There was no on their the voting Academy was was no black people as well. So. Really, we kind of need to look at the whole issue of this award system. It's all just a bunch of Hollywood back, you know, back scratching like, oh, you give me an award because your movie was yada, yada, yada. It's not based in reality. The best movie doesn't actually win. And you look at the art. This is another thing. You look at the top movies from 2021. It's like Spider-Man, Boss Baby. You look at the top movies from 1994, Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, American Pie. I mean, these are classic movies that last the test of time. So our whole art system. Jason, the whole art, forget about just Chris Rock, forget about all these comedians, is dead. So so when you make the point of, you know, we got to get our pastors talking about it, our comedians, they're creating, everything they create is about intersectionality, making sure that they have a gay Latino transsexual as the lead, instead of actually writing content that is funny and humorous. So this, for me, is just some sort of publicity stunt. I, I really could care less. Like, to, to see Chris Rock get hit, I'm not saying he deserved to get hit, but we're we're an award show that was dying that nobody wants to watch and now it gets a bunch of clout that's what makes me most upset is now everybody's talking about the academy awards when it was dead on the vine and all those award shows in my opinion should be gone so i i want to say a couple things just for clarity to put my opinion out there not 
necessarily disagreeing with you, but, but one thing I want to say is, and, and I think on Monday when I talked about it, I, I did talk about Will and his red table talks with his wife. And, you know, I, I'm a big believer people should have a personal life, a private life, and a public life. And we've turned everything into just a public life. There is no private or personal. Uh, but, but having said that, I don't want to leave everybody with the impression that, oh my God, uh, Will's marriage suffered infidelity and he should have drawn a line in the sand right there and the marriage should have been over. Uh, I, I would tend to think that many successful marriages survive infidelity. Men and women are weak and they do weak things. And, you know, I, I want to make sure this audience knows they're like, gut it out. It, it's worth it. it it's, it's if both parties are willing to gut it out. I do think that, you know, Jada uh, helped convince him of some side of open relationship, open marriage would be good. and. You know, I, I don't agree with that. You know, again, if you're going to get married, uh, that's a monogamous situation or should be a monogamous situation and execute it that way. Uh, I, 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 so what I'm saying is I, 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 I want to, what Will Smith is, did and has done is wrong and he certainly was protecting his own ego far more than he was trying to protect his wife's honor. His wife has already dishonored herself and made him and their family a laughing stock and a punchline to jokes. She did that and he's showing his frustration toward the wrong person. Chris Rock has, has done nothing wrong. He's done what comedians do and the joke was harmless. I, I, I get. I want to ask again, though. Are you taking any inspiration from the fact that comedians, from Joe Rogan to Bill Maher to Jim Carrey to Wanda Sykes, it's just a lot of comedians are rallying around this point and saying, like, "Hey, man, we're we're go we've gone too far." And even the mention you made about John Stewart recognizing, like, I couldn't even do the Daily Show in this environment that we've created. Uh, is the tide starting to turn? Well, I mean, that's that's how it works. The pendulum always has to swing. You know, it has to swing back. And I think we'll see that pendulum swinging a little bit. But still, I mean, humor and in, in essence is how it is today. I mean, it's dead. I mean, you look at Chris Rock. I mean, for example, I was talking about this earlier. You look at a guy like Dave Chappelle and he's getting crushed because he makes fun of the trans community in his comedy. But it really and truly that represents like one half of a percent of our community and yet everybody will stand up and everybody's going to wear a shirt that says oh protect trans kids this and that so it's all about political correctness so if comedy would start being so politically correct and start being fearless then it can come back but because of this cancel culture i think everybody is uh, until people are not afraid of being canceled we're never going to have true comedy like we used to have in the 80s in the 90s it's basically dead in my opinion jason well, the way a capitalist viewpoint would be that, and this is why I think you're important, Alex Stein is perhaps going to build a comedic business uh, that he controls. He controls the content. He has direct access to his audience. And so if Alex Stein is successful and effective and builds a revenue stream based on his comedy, 
that's how you really disrupt because, and that's where I think Joe Rogan is important in the success he's had and the fact that he's standing firm and he, you know, he'll quit if he ever starts to get censored and th- you know, he's making these type yeah. statements. Joe Rogan's made a lot of money. Dave, Dave Chappelle uh, has stood strong and his popularity has seemed to have risen. And so most people are, are gonna go where the money is. And, and I think five years from now, what you're doing, this lane you're in, is going to be more profitable than staying on the woke talking points. A- am I right or wrong in that? Jason, you're 100% right because there's nothing in between me and the means of my production. I can do anything I want at any time. I can push the envelope all the way. I can push it all the way to the limit, yet these people can't because there's, like I said, I look at this as an opportunity that there's a huge void that I'm able to fill because I'm able to actually speak my mind fearlessly. I'm not worried about the repercussions of what I say. As long as, as long as I, you know, I don't even have to color within the lines. I can color outside the lines, but as long as I don't murder or actually physically hurt somebody, I know that I'm going to be successful. I know that I, you know, there's nothing going to stop me because there's such a void. There's such a lack of people that are afraid to speak their mind. So for me, I actually kind of like the intersectionality. For me, I actually kind of like that all these creators are handcuffed because I said this, there's nothing in between me and the means of my production. The only, the only person that's stopping me is me. And now I'm on a mission, like like they say in the Blues Brothers, I'm on a mission from God to change this whole scenario, to really change the world. And I'm not trying to virtue signal like it's like, oh, it's my job to do that. I'm just saying there is a huge void, and I shouldn't be the only one. People need to go all across the country, go to these meetings, and people need to figure out ways to mock the lunacy that we're currently living in, and I shouldn't be the only one. So other people need to, you know, I hope follow my lead and help fill that void because it's a gaping hole. I mean, I, I can't tell you the last time I saw a comedy uh, special that I was like, oh, this blew my mind or this was so good. And you have very few guys that we can even mention, like Joe Rogan, Dave Chappelle, that that are even really talking the talk and walking the walk. So – we talk about our culture. We talk about the political correctness. I mean, you know, obviously you're a sports expert, but look at where we're at. I remember a day and age when uh, basketball players, you had Spike Lee was on the sideline yelling at the players, getting in Reggie Miller's face. That was the coolest thing ever. Now in this day and age, if you're at a basketball game and you yell something to LeBron James, he's going to go to the ref and say, ref, this guy, this guy's yelling at me. He's got to go and they'll kick you out of the game. So we're, we're cuddling. Even the, even the culture, even the people that are at the top of this culture that should be able to take the most criticism, they can't even take criticism anymore. So for me, I like that we have this ultra hypersensitive um, uh, hierarchy that I can tease. And now it's actually working. Like now I'm getting the viral uh, hits. I'm getting the attention because I'm calling out these ultra sensitive um, uh, elites that deserve to be brought down a peg or two. Is that a real fireplace behind you? No, this is a green screen. Come on, Jason. I'm primetime 99. I got to let go. Yeah, I wish. No, this is a faker than a $3 bill. No, this is fake. Um, but, Jason, I'm just – we talk about the culture, and I, that's really, like, the most important thing because they, they're using sports and they're using our, you know, uh, our celebrities to really drive home. Like, like this is a perfect example. You're talking about preborn, and, and this is a huge issue, abortions. So this is the most, the most hypocritical thing in the world. They say that – you know, they want to have abortions even 28 
days after some pregnancies. Yet if you get in a, a DWI car crash and you hit somebody, you hit a woman that's pregnant with a baby, that's a double homicide. So it doesn't make sense that we even have rules on the books. If you kill a pregnant woman, you don't just kill one person, you kill two people. But then on the same book, they have legislation that says you can kill that baby and that it's not a life yet. You have those goofy people on the left that say, oh, abortion is women's health care. What about the baby's health care? So this is the hypocrisy that we have to call out, whether it's from the, the top athletes, whether it's from the top celebrities. Every single level of this hypocrisy is glaring. And because the people on top are afraid to call it out, it's going to leave a huge space like me to do it. And, and that's why I think I'm getting the attention that I'm getting, because there's such a void of, of calling this stuff out, Jason. Alex, I think what you're doing is tremendous. Uh, thank you for taking the time uh, with us today. I'm going to circle back to you. Uh, Please. Kind of regularly, because, uh, yeah. again, I think what you're doing is important. I think you're smart, you're clever, uh, and you're a disruptor. And we need more disruption in this current culture. Uh, tell everybody how they can access your content. I, you got Instagram, you got Twitter. I, tell I, everybody how, how they can get you. Jason, I'm on, on Twitter, Alex999, Instagram. If you guys can't find me, you're not looking. But I just want to end the interview by saying, Jason, I know you don't have me on to come here and kiss your derriere, but I just really respect you because, you know, there's a guy I remember growing up as a, as a football fan seeing Marcellus Wiley play football and this and that. And I still kind of like Marcellus. I'm not talking bad about him. But I'm saying you've been at the pinnacle. You've been at the top of the sports media, and you didn't bow down to these evil people. You didn't listen to them because that's what they want to do. And I don't mean this as a, a racial insult, but a lot of these guys, they get to the top and all of a sudden they become what is called a step and fetch. Literally, they think that they're, they're being so, they think they're being, you know, uh, uh, so brash and so, you know, uh, uh, ruthless and fearless. You're the real fearless one. You're the one that wasn't going to bow down for a paycheck. And that's what we need. We need more people that are realizing that you have a bunch of talent and you're not going to let people control your talent. You're going to figure out a way to get it out, get your message out to millions of people your way and not the government approved censored way so i really look up to you and you're a i'm not just saying this to kiss your butt you're an inspiration of mine so so i mean that with all uh with all my heart thank you jason for doing what you do thank you alex uh great show uh we'll end it with uh, some tomorrow and singing about freedom because that is certainly what i value freedom i think it's what you value as well all right uh we'll see you next week off nothing in life like freedom came like a fighter striking like a ladder making all this moves for freedom i want freedom no negotiation my system no relation we all just want to have freedom sitting on the corner never been alone i'm breaking my back for freedom bless we are living get back we are receiving all the when we all want to be free we want freedom I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just